welcome to On a Tangent Podcast. My name is Sam, and once again, we are here with Beth. Hello. And we're doing something a little different, a little light, and a little fun and exciting. Uh, We both picked our favorite cryptids, and neither of us know what the other picked. Uh, I told my fiance, and she told her husband, and then they told each other, but we're not allowed to know. So uh, I know we didn't do the same one. Now, do you want to reveal yours to me right now, or do you want to wait until after I'm done with mine? I want to tell you, you, but then I immediately want to hear what yours is. Well, I'm going to let you decide if you want to tell me, or you would rather just hear, and then surprise me when you're ready. I'll tell you, because I'm dying, and I've been dying all week. You tell me first, and then I will give you mine. What did you choose? Sea serpents. Oh. Yes. Just not, all of them, like Loch Ness and Champ and... Yeah, not not Loch Ness or Champ. Uh, so here's why. Oh. I don't like the ones... I'm not talking about the ones that are pleosaurs where they say it has a thick body and fins. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the literal serpents. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. My favorite cryptid I chose for you, Beth. The Mothman. I... The Mothman's the worst. No, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. He is the best. Maybe that's why I like him so much. He's the best. I asked um, even yesterday if you were doing the Mothman. Oh, no. I am doing the Moth. I'm doing the Mothman, and I was so excited that I was doing the Mothman that I immediately needed to know that you weren't doing the Mothman so I could make sure I could do the Mothman. I Okay, I'm not. I don't know much about the actual story, I hate it by proxy because of that terrible movie. Everybody hates it because that terrible movie is terrible. Yes. Um, so I think you and I probably saw that movie in high school. Mm-hmm. And um, it's largely fictionalized. I would hope so, so. So here's kind of the game of telephone the Mothman myth went through is there were these sightings and then this man wrote a book about it and then they optioned the book for a movie and then the writers of the movie like just ripped the book apart completely Hmm. like they added a bunch of stuff that didn't happen they subtracted things that actually happened they the the author because he wrote about his accounts in point pleasant they separated him into two different characters but didn't explain it they added in the element of like weird ufo shenanigans so <laughs> no the like, i hated the most they destroyed the mothman and so i don't begrudge you for hating mothman so i'm i'm coming to you with my story of the mothman the harbinger of death all right and, perfect this and we're better. gonna by the end of this you're gonna really dig the Mothman story, but you're still going to hate the Mothman prophecies like you should. Okay, perfect. I'm ready. Great. All right, so we're going to start on November 12th, 1966 in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Uh, This night started 13 months of sporadic sightings of the Mothman. Um, So this very first sighting on the night of the 12th of November Five grave diggers witness a gigantic flying creature who looks like a man with a large span wing flying low overhead and he disappears. Hmm. Simple as that. 
he they didn't interact they didn't see anything didn't talk didn't just hey this giant flying creature thing scared the shit out of five of us you know while we were working was he full-sized like man-sized so yes um in a lot of these different accounts he goes from being roughly six feet to roughly nine feet wingspan between seven and ten feet depending on how close the witness was so on and so forth right so the next night which is now november 15th 1966 two couples are driving home same area of west virginia um i actually have the article listed here one of the promises i made to you is that i would give you my script with all of the articles and citations so you can read them so um on November 16th, 1966, the article comes out. Uh, couples see man-sized bird, creature, something. So <laughs> two couples are driving home. They're driving in the same car uh, near the old uh, plow- power plant and the old National Guard armory that are near Point Pleasant. All four of them see a gray man with 10-foot wings and glowing red eyes. Um, one of the men in the car described this being as being able to fly at about a hundred miles an hour, but also mentioned that he was a clumsy runner. (laughs) So all four people in the car were taken to different rooms. Once, you know, the authorities got involved Um, in their interview, they all said roughly the same thing. The bling, the being flew over their car, then landed, ran through a field um, it freaked them out so much they drove into town and like got downtown and were like, oh God. And then the men went back to try to see it a second time uh, to see if they could figure out what was going on. The men that came back said that they did see him a second time at the old power plant, um, but they weren't able to actually access him or do any sort of other um, investigation and then like at the very end of the article the reporter's like uh, give it your chance sir would you uh, go back out there and try to find him again and he's like oh we're going back out tonight <laughs> so so they were like so now that's ten nine people that have seen it um, when, when asked about it um, the local sheriff believed that what they saw was in fact a large sand hill crane um, which is a bird that sits between five and a half and six and a half feet, depending on gender and age, with a wingspan of up to seven feet, um, with variegated like white and gray feathering and red coloration around the eyes. Ooh. So it absolutely does sound like that could possibly be a thing that he saw. Um, but these two instances, they did start, like I said, the 13 months of bizarre sightings weird goings on in point pleasant um like one man said that uh the mothman he watched the mothman take his german shepherd um i assume his food not as a pet that's my guess did he did he attack him or just literally grab him and run i think he like heard like a fight and then he came out and he saw the mothman flying with his dog jesus yeah so um those go on for about 13 months um people like they also there are some people that describe they describe i'm using air quotes ufo encounters um but it's more like weird lights they can't explain stuff like that not like being abducted or anything like that so 
in Point Pleasant, the last sighting I could really find that's corroborated by more than one person was on uh, December 15th, 1967, which is the, the following December. Um, it was the days leading up to the collapse of the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant. Um, some people said that they saw Mothman the morning of, the day before, and within the hour of the bridge collapse, like sitting on like the bridge support tower beam things, um, in the flying in the vicinity, you know. But there were a, a couple of different accounts that put him in the time and place of the bridge collapse. Uh, the bridge collapse killed 46 people. And multiple people also recount hearing what they thought was a rodent-like squeal before the collapse. Now, I might ponder as to whether the sound of failing steel bars might also sound like a squealing rodent. That was my thought. Yeah. Um, But, you know, that's what they say it is. So after that happened, I think his name's Richard John Keel wrote... The Mothman book, which is mostly a recounting of the 13 months of sightings with some other mm, not perfectly researched accounts by people because instead of asking the entire populace, he only asked people he already knew believed in Mothman. So there was a little bit of confirmation bias in the book, um, but the town of Point Pleasant then took on Mothman. They love him, whatever. And then when the book came out, they totally embraced the Mothman. And then when the book, the movie came out, they like have the sculpture and they have like a, like a Mothman, like carnival fair thing. Um, but the story for Mothman does not end on December 15th, 1967, because it turns out people see him at places and times where bad things happen all the time. Do we think he's causing it, or do we think it's like an omen? So, speculation is he is a harbinger trying to scare people away from areas where he knows bad things will happen. So, let's fast forward to April 26, 1986, and let's go to Pripyat, USSR. And we are right outside of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant, where multiple people in the town right outside of the power plant and guards at the power plant with corroborating times and dates say they saw a large winged man flying over the plant at chernobyl at chernobyl um uh to a few of the individuals who were at home that witnessed him from quite a distance because you could see the plant from the city uh, I don't know if you've seen the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO. You need to watch it. It's phenomenal. On my list, um, but haven't yet. But it definitely um, illustrates how close it was to the city. Because the city was built for the employees of the power plant. Oh. So mm-hmm. so the people at the power plant were looking over at the plant from home. And some of those people then also said they had these terrible dreams of explosions and death and dying. And all these terrible nightmares. Um, so we've seen him now. I'm using air quotes when I say we see him. We don't know (laughs) if he's real. Uh, we see him in the USSR. We see him at Chernobyl. Um, 
So the claims of him being at Chernobyl, though, are are called into question after the creation of the book in the movie because, like we I talked about earlier, this whole Mothman mythos has been like super uh, infiltrated with false false stories from the movie. Mm-hmm. So no one knows it's real or fake. Well, air quotes, real or fake. Uh, then we're going to fast forward to 2001, to September 11th, 2001, and New oh. York City. Um, so after the attack happened, people uh, on Manhattan discussed seeing a, quote, crane-like creature flying near and around the tire the towers um which would technically have been the very first sighting in north america since the last sighting in 1967 um others say that if you watch video of the smoke you can see the mothman's face in the smoke i also remember right after that happened people said you could see the face of jesus and Osama bin Laden in the smoke. Uh, that's that's that that's just from pareidolia. I don't think you can see the Mothman's face in the smoke. Your brain is wired to find patterns that look like faces. It's how your brain learns people's faces. People that are face blind, the the concept of pareidolia that doesn't happen in their brain, so they don't ever recognize the patterns that make a face. Um. So I have not found many corroborating accounts of, of that one either. Uh, then we're going to fast forward a little bit to Minneapolis, Minnesota, 2007. We are going to look uh, August 1st, 2007. We're going to the I-35 West Mississippi Bridge. That is the day that that bridge collapsed and killed 13 people. So here's the weird thing about that bridge collapse. Once again, people said that they saw Mothman in and around the bridge area, sitting atop the bridge, standing atop the bridge. That bridge was built in 1967, which is the year that the Silver Bridge collapsed. Additionally, it killed 13 people, which is the number of months the Mothman was sighted before the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Um... No word yet if anybody heard squealing rodents. <laughs> uh, so then we're going to Mexico, the state of Chihuahua, uh, April 10th, 2009. Uh, residents claim to see a tall, hairy, winged creature with red eyes who is terrorizing residents. He, like, chased a schoolboy home. He uh, chased a father and daughter home. He, like, attacked somebody's dog. Um, so he was rather aggressive. Um and then right after people started making note and complaining about the fact that, hey, this giant gray winged guy with creepy eyes is attacking everybody, that area was hit very hard with swine flu. So then, what, are, what are we thinking this thing is? If it's like an omen, it wouldn't need to take dogs. And it wasn't well, I mean, before. I, I think that um, I think what we're seeing is a pattern of him attempting to warn people to get away from something, but not By having their the, dogs. Well, I mean, he's got to eat. Ugh. Alf had to eat cats, not because he was like a terrible, but because he had to eat. Alf is terrible. 
2011 to present, there are have been and are continued sightings uh, in the Chicago area of the Mothman. People report seeing the Mothman, but with an array of different color eyes now. The, some people say he has red eyes, green eyes, yellow eyes, orange eyes. Um, he's been described as having leathery skin, as feathery skin, as human skin, looking like metal, having bat wings, having no neck. How can you tell if a man doesn't have a neck like that? I don't know. Um, they've seen him primarily skulking and lurching and flying around bodies of water in and around the Chicago area. Um, there was one specific sighting in 2019, uh, a sighting at O'Hare Airport by a truck driver. He was stopped having a smoke break, just chilling out, and saw this, like, giant thing with, a um, like, he looked like he had wings, and he was, like, a weird color, and he was walking around O'Hare, and, uh, he said it looked like a giant bird. The man also claims that this is the second time he has seen this creature because he saw this child this saw this creature as a child when he was growing up in Mexico. And then my final Mothman sighting for you is March 11th, 2011 at the Fukushima Daiichi disaster. Oh no. An American in Fukushima was Touristing. This is before the earthquake and the tsunami and then the disaster at the power plant. Um, they were near the power plant, though, because it's like, if you've ever seen video of it, it's like near a town, much like Chernobyl. And so he was just being a normal tourist, and he heard like a weird sound, turned towards the power plant, and he claims to have heard a screeching and whooshing sound near the plant prior to the earthquake that led to the disaster. He said that creature was very large, had big red eyes, and was sitting atop one of the buildings. As he was watching the creature, the witness says that he watched the creature unfurl large wings. So he then is obviously freaked out by it, still doesn't think to grab a camera, um, goes home, I think to Texas, a few days later, earthquake in near Japan, tsunami, disaster. And it wasn't until after he saw that that he put the two together that, oh my God, what did I just see? So, what the fuck is Mothman? So, my question, that gentleman, how did he like post it on social media or text anyone to tell them about the bizarre thing he saw prior to the earthquake? No. And that was the thing is he said, I didn't think anything of it until what? the earthquake happened. Exactly. What do you mean you didn't think anything of I, it? I make a promise to you right now. I don't care where the hell I am or where the hell you are or what the hell is going on. If I look out my window and I see a 10 foot tall man with 12 foot span wings and gigantic red eyes, you are going to hear about it and you're going to probably have a photograph because I will absolutely have my phone on me. Right. <laughs> I I can understand not having the photograph. I, you would want to, certainly. But I can see being super freaked out, super thrown off, and maybe not wanting to move to trigger any kind of predatory instinct. But I don't understand. Yeah, super saw this bizarre thing in extreme detail. Mentioned it to no one. Like, that that doesn't seem likely. Yeah. So, there's theories that Mothman is a giant heron or crane, like the sheriff from Point Pleasant said. 
And I, if you Google like giant heron or the type of crane that I said it was, a uh, sandhill crane, it does very much. I think someone who maybe, we don't know what the couple was doing ahead of time. Were they at a bar? Were they at a friend's house? Were they inebriated? We don't know. Um, so it could be a giant heron or crane. Um, in regards to the sightings in both Russia and Chicago, people have wondered if we're looking at a giant owl, like a barred owl, barred owl, barn owl, you know, the mm-hmm. giant owls. Um, also, pareidolia, like I, I mentioned earlier about the face and the smoke. Everybody has awoken in the middle of the night and looked at the table or the chair in the corner of their room that's full of clothing and seen a person sitting there. Yes. Everybody's done it. Your brain is meant to find patterns that look like human beings. It's how we recognize other human creatures or other living creatures. So I can't put it outside of the realm of possibility that maybe in a city where there's a lot of weird light pollution, you can definitely have some visual phenomena where you're interpreting lights and reflections as something they absolutely are not. Um, and then the last one, which I think is interesting and opens up to a whole new myth, is that this is just a Thunderbird that is still alive. Which is, <laughs> it's, it's based on giant mythical bird lore, which is especially common in the Midwest. Uh, multiple indigenous peoples, in the area of West Virginia, Ohio, Illinois, have relatively similar mythology about these gigantic thunderbirds who shoot lightning from their eyes and make booming sounds with their wings. But a bird, a bird does not look like a leathery metal man. But it might. <laughs> it might. So... That that is the Mothman. I I think the Mothman gets a bad rap because they fucked him up with a movie that was not good. Um, but I find it so fascinating. I can't stop. But it's one of those things where, like you mentioned earlier, no one mentions that they saw the Mothman until after the bad thing happens. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense to me. So people in Chicago are like, why the hell is he flying over Chicago? We haven't had anything bad happen yet. And I was like, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of violence in Chicago. Could it just be that? Like, Chicago at all is the problem. <laughs> like, I mean, unfortunately, they're they're going through a pretty heinous epidemic in terms yeah. of, you know, uh, gun violence right now. So I could see maybe the Mothman's like, hey, guys, chill out. <laughs> just stop entirely. I know. Everybody look at me. Put the guns down. I don't know. I so, uh, so I don't accept the Thunderbird idea only because I feel like if it could shoot lightning, it definitely would have. But, like, I don't think he's trying to hurt anybody. Okay, let's play in this universe where the Mothman is a thing that actually exists. Okay. We're pretending that this is real. So he obviously isn't trying to hurt people because he could hella have hurt anybody he's, air quote, come into contact with. He absolutely could have ripped the top off of a car and attacked any one of the human beings that were in that vehicle. He could have just swooped down and chopped the head off of one of those grave diggers. Like, let's, let's be frank. 
like that uh, Jeepers so, Creepers creature. Exactly. So, my guess is that if we're living in a world where Mothman is an actual thing that occurs and that people are actually seeing him at places <laughs> before bad things happen, that he is doing his best non-verbally to express to people, hey, bad shit's about to go down. You might want to, I don't know, stay the fuck home. It's so more I wonder how many than I thought. Absolutely. The the movie makes it so otherworldly and outlandish with like stalkery phone calls and UFO experiences and like all that weird shit like time warping that's not time warping and lost time and they added too many elements. Right, it just becomes a clusterfuck. Right. Whereas if you just listen to what the actual thing is it's just a bunch of people in the same relative area saw a creepy thing and then a bad thing happened it is interesting i like the prophecy like portent idea i i left out so much detail on like there's a great article it's an npr article out of chicago i think it's out of w e w b e z um, where the woman's just, it's a full, full article on all the different Mothman things they've seen, what they were doing. And then she's like, well, what do you think it meant? You know, like when you saw Mothman, what do you think he was intending for you? What was his message for you? Mm-hmm. You know, or because some people are like, oh, I have this unnatural feeling of fear or anxiety or heaviness in my chest when I see it. Um, so obviously, like, if Mothman is real, he's non-verbally attempting to communicate that, hey, wherever you're at is not a good place to be. Move along. Yeah. Um, there's also um, a really great article. So, okay, I'm sure you've seen Duke. I haven't. It's something I intend to watch, <gasps> but I've not. You've never seen the Duke? No, I'm familiar with most of the story, <sighs> but secondhand. Okay. Well, are you aware about how the Babadook became a gay icon? No. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, within a year after it came out, um, I I don't know. I don't know the best way to express how he became a gay icon. Uh, kind of this idea of, like, you know, people try to villainize the LGBTQ community and... Um, so what a few people, a few artists in the community did is they took these like cryptids and scary monsters and were like, well, these are ours now. So like Slenderman, Babadook, Mothman. <laughs> so That's Mothman cute. is now a gay icon and him and Babadook are just chilling out, you know, having fun during quarantine. Um, but I, I, I like it. I like it because he doesn't hurt people. I mean, he unfortunately hurts dogs cause you've got to eat. Sorry. Um, I have an, a super extensive timeline. I've only touched on probably 10% of the timeline that I was using um, to try to figure out what this is, where it's coming from, so on and so forth. Um, they have a large amount of information about Thunderbirds. <laughs> um, I, you know, crazier things have been found that, you know, like the, what was it, the colacanth or whatever fish that yeah. they thought was gone like so i'm at this point is it within the realm of possibility well it's not not in the realm of possibility so 
Um, but that is that is the Mothman, Harbinger of Death. <laughs> super interesting, though. I didn't know most of that. Um, my exposure was super peripheral because I wasn't really interested, you know? Absolutely. And and that's why I did it, because I was like, I guarantee you all Beth knows about Mothman is encompassed in a Richard Gere movie. <laughs> You're correct. And I completely <laughs> unsubscribed after that. I know. I know. And that's also why I didn't tell you ahead of time. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I, I would have tried to shut you down on that one. <laughs> I'm sure I would have gotten like, a, are you sure you don't want to do anything else? I know. I asked Stephen because, um, you know, he knew what you were doing. And so I asked him repeatedly if you were doing different cryptids and Mothman. I asked him last night and he said no. So unhesitantly, I absolutely believed him. So you're learning your husband's capacity for deception. Lying. Correct. Yes. Great. Well, it's, it's a good one. You know, we are, uh, we're working on communication skills in this podcast, it seems. <laughs> okay. So I did sea serpents. Ooh. And I want to be very blunt. I did okay. sea serpents. I don't, there's nothing wrong with the, uh, ones that are closer to ichthyosaurs, but there are a lot of water cryptids that I feel like are really easily debunked and they are clearly basking sharks or, you know, the corpses, uh, which is where most of the pleosaur stuff is coming from, or right. they are oarfish. Um, but there is a whole subset of cryptozoology and sightings and stories, including, you know, drawings and woodcuts of specific sea serpents that do not have that wide body, that do not have fins. And in all honesty, I feel like there's so many of them that go back so far and in so many different places. They're very strangely consistent because it's not something that you would logically go for. So to me, it has more legitimacy, particularly since I've not heard of any. Of course, there's going to be one or two. But the right. the prevalent theories, um, it, it's all ocean. So you don't hear about them in lakes and stuff. You know, like a lot of the ichthyosaurs are... Uh, they're not entirely landlocked areas, but they're areas that you really sincerely probably could find a large animal in, you know? Well, yeah, because the, the, like, Loch Ness isn't an area, and so is, like, Lake Champlain with Champ, where those actually used to be connected via the Atlantic Ocean, and as tectonics shifted, they closed. So these were outlets to the ocean, but are no longer outlets to the ocean, right? Right, and especially since an ichthyosaur or the pleosaurs, or obviously I'm getting the names wrong, but that right. sort of animal, um, are all ones that breathe air. They would have to surface very regularly. Right. So it doesn't, I don't think that's likely, and I'm not sure there never was anything, but I know a lot of the evidence that I found compelling uh, when they did DNA sampling and looked at the aminos and everything, it ended up being uh, basking sharks because the way that they rot different parts you know they kind of know the pattern of uh decay for a lot of animals and right. basking sharks what's left after a certain amount of decomposition 100 percent does look like a rotting uh dinosaur it does it's got yeah. the little head it's got the white flippers it's got the right body size so i don't think that it's made up but i think that people are seeing uh something they don't understand but right see serpents there are so many accounts, and it's very strange because I won't go so far as to say universally because it's been 
as far back as history goes, pretty much, you have reports of uh, sea serpents. And that's not shocking. We have, you know, a lot of mythology and there were a lot of things that we didn't have answers for. So you blend myth and observation and to get some kind of unusual um, conclusions. Mm-hmm. But my issue with this is there are accounts that are super, you know, relatively modern, like up into our lifespans and the description is still matching. It's not shifting and it's mm. not something that is in the general cultural milieu, like seeing a Nessie, seeing a Lake Champlain monster, Ogopogo, uh, they look really similar. So it's the same way like Bigfoot. If you saw any kind of large thing walking on two feet, you're kind of going to think Bigfoot. Right. It's a cultural idea at this point. And I don't think this description of sea serpents is, but it's so well represented. So basically... It appears in the mythology of every culture, essentially. Anything that touched the ocean has got a story about a sea serpent. And they're always the same. Uh, They Mm -hmm. have no flippers. The way they move kind of changes. Some people say it's like a sine wave motion. Um, But whether it goes side to side like a snake in the water or whether it goes up and down varies. Uh, Up and down is not going to be something that a snake can do. So that would be unusual. But it is very well represented. Mm. Um. There is a theory about that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But that's how they move. There are no flippers. Uh, the heads are described as either being like a horse or a snake or a giraffe. So kind of depending on what sort of terrestrial creatures you're used to. If you look at the head of a horse and a giraffe, though, it's extremely similar. Right, right. Snake isn't as common, but realistically, if you see something with the body of a snake, I do think that you might kind of jump to the conclusion that this is a snake. And actually, like the nasal folds on a snake, you, you know, that could be very horse-like the way it's, and the eye positioning, the predator eye positioning as well, like. Right. I could I could see how if you're seeing a thing you've never seen before, one person might say snake, one person might say horse, depending on. And and this can't be a real snake. No, um, no, it's not. It's not a traditional snake like we have aquatic or terrestrial now. It's not something that's uh, recorded, because the other feature is they have very wide open mouths full of teeth. Um, <sighs> they're drawn with scales, almost always. But I kind of think that that's an artistic decision, because a lot of the descriptions say it's not scaled; it's smooth like a fish. Well, that's somehow grosser. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing. Some of them do say scales, like some of them don't. Out. Yeah, it's Ugh. it's not consistent, but that one varies, and there's quite a few that do not say scaled. They say snake it. because of the, the conical shape of it and the movement, not because of its actual, like, the appearance of its skin or head. Right. So, the other thing. Um, they have a mane. They're described as being black, and they have some sort of mane behind their head. So oh, that's majestic as fuck. It's very <laughs> strange. Because, again, even if you saw something, we're like, is that a snake? Even if you were like, oh, it's a sea monster. I wouldn't think of a mane. But it's in all of these accounts. They it's... either say the creature had a mane or seaweed or something on it. It's just something behind its head that's moving like that. <gasps> 
Right. I wish you could see the face that I'm making because I'm so grossed out. You're, you're, I, I realized halfway through your introduction that you're just introducing me to ocean snakes, which is <laughs> my worst fear in my favorite place. I have good news and bad news. They're not always aggressive. Uh, oh, my, <laughs> I've got a couple different sources. There's quite a few. Again, it goes back hundreds of years. So there's not... There's not a uh, parent source, really. It, it's it's as old as mythology is. But right. my primary one that I really liked was uh, Mythical Monsters by Charles Gould, which was written in 1886. I really like... His description is purple, just because of the time period. But mm-hmm. I like that he got a lot of the interviews down. So a um, couple different... I went through a lot of sites and a lot of different aggregates. But um, that's the one that I found the best. And that one is available on Project Gutenberg, which I'll send you a link. Because they've got a lot of the oh, I love too. it. Yeah, super, super interesting. Um, But kind of depending on your geographic region, their behavior changes. So I looked at some interpretations of this from cultural anthropologists who say that uh, it's kind of based on the religion of the terrestrial people because the groups that tend to have more like nature religion are going to interpret the sea serpents as being some sort of portents or that they protect the sea. There's something you have to appease. They're an old god. Whereas when you go to uh, more modern depictions, they're always aggressive. And by modern, Hmm. I mean like 1800s to now. But they're always aggressive. And so it just kind of depends, I think, on the response of the people to the animal because you know like with sharks it doesn't they don't really care what you think they're either hunting or they're not so i kind of think it's probably the same here which yeah it may be looking at you as food if it's got teeth like that it's a predator but just as frequently people describe it as running if you throw something as small as a pebble at it weird yeah which well and that's my thing is these these accounts where it runs where it just dives and dives and dives the second you do anything towards it Uh is strange to me because if it was something that wasn't sincerely observed i don't think that's a description that you would go with that's not a compelling story well what if those are babies and the babies just aren't aggressive potentially the the daddy serpent's gonna come eat your face (laughs) because he's gotta feed that baby who's all non-aggressive and cute well, or hunting and not hunting, because we see it with sharks, you see it with lions. You know, you'll see that footage and the shark is surrounded by fish, or the lions are laying like 15 feet from antelope, but because they're not actively hunting, there there's no concern on either side, usually around right. a shared resource like water, but still. Uh, right. And a lot of these animals have been described, so the more recent sightings, they have said that it was trailed by a giant amount of seabirds that's how they're spotted a lot of the time is people are trying to figure out what the birds are after and just a serpent yeah they talk (laughs) about it being flanked by birds and a lot of times sea lions trailing after it that's like um like those birds that hang out with alligators or crocodiles right and especially if it is a really heavy predator i don't think that would be shocking because when you look at footage of whales a lot of times there are birds right there with them because the whales are going after the same thing the birds are going after those giant groups of fish right so i thought that was super strange um i can't start at the earliest sighting because again it's as old as time honestly but i uh, I literally just googled it and i saw that it's in the old testament yeah it's before that too so aristotle in historia animalium 
Uh, he mentions okay. it. Not a direct sighting. But um, I can't say a lot of these names. So I'm just going to apologize. But it looks like Poseidonius. Uh, he saw the... They, they refer to it as a dragon a lot. So early conceptions of dragons a lot of times were a serpent. They sound just like this. But they didn't have the wings and feet that we see in modern mythology. And they didn't That's what I was going to say. Yes. I was going to say, what the, the description sounds like... Okay, sorry. I'm going to out myself yeah. as a nerd um it sounds like the dragon from dragon ball z mm. <laughs> i don't know dragon ball z is that what it sounds okay. like no like when you think of like the bo- the way you're describing the body of these sea serpents like that seems like a very traditionally japanese dragon like Yes, Design. the Japanese dragons a lot of the time match sea serpent description with like the yeah. little mane behind it and the giant teeth and kind of the lion uh-huh. head. Ugh. Yeah, that's it. exactly, and it matches though up to modern accounts, it matches. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, is um, the size is described as so big that it's startling. And the thing is, it seems strange, but. Again, giant octopuses were real. Giant squid were real. So I think when you're dealing with the ocean, it's kind of hard to say no. I don't know what it can support. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, I I, I was agreeing. Yeah, like that was the first thing I thought. It's like we thought giant serpents were a myth or giant squids were a myth until how long ago? Right. Very recent. Or fish. Or fish is one of the things that people used to explain this, which I'll go into more detail in a minute. But um, they get... Oh, God, it was like 60 feet or something. They get huge. And so the thing is, he's what lends it more credence to me is he's talking about seeing a corpse. Uh, so it was 100 feet in length, bulky that horsemen standing on either side of it couldn't see one another. Its jaws were large enough to admit a man on horseback. Mm. And it is described as scaled, but horny scales, like an oblong shield. Oh, God. Yeah, this was one, He they don't know exactly when he lived, this gentleman, but uh, it's between 130 and 51 BC. Then Ooh. you have Olaus Magnus. Uh, they are very predominant in uh, Norway, Denmark, those regions, and which isn't shocking because you've got the Midgard serpent. Um, mm-hmm. It's a major part of their mythology and... Which I didn't realize that the Midgard serpent was a sea serpent, which I thought was interesting. I ran across that during this. yeah. Yeah, but so Aulus Magnus, he's a Swedish priest from 1555, and uh, he talked to all of these fishermen in the area, and uh, he said that the way that they responded to him was really strange because they were super thrown off by the fact that he was asking if it was real, because of course it's real, just like cod and everything else. It's a fish. Oh, shit. They were like, what do you mean? Is this real? Like, no, you're asking about a seam syrup. Let me tell you about this thing. Exactly. And so it it was a very accepted thing in his conversations. So he talked to some people and one account that he got was a serpent that was the, again, you got to understand too, like when I say 100, 200 feet long, I can't imagine how big, you know, like deep blue, that 20 whatever foot shark they just found, the great white. Mm Mm-hmm. We know how long she is because we have aerial footage and can measure her. How big does it feel when you're next to her? No, exactly. Yeah, so I'm not saying these are really 200 feet long, but I bet it felt like it, so it's got to be huge. But even then, like, 
that's not outside of the realm of possibility like thinking in Correct. my head about like the vastness of the ocean like oh that's like a drop in the bucket like that's like right. that's still a teeny tiny creature in the giant the giantness of the ocean well and this one had an ex- explanation that i thought was interesting so 200 feet long 20 feet wide they specifically said it lives in rifts and caves underwater uh, they said that if your animals are kept near the ocean, it will sometimes take livestock, but not generally. It does eat any kind of meat. It eats uh, sea nettles. It eats seaweed. It eats crabs. There's no specific kind of thing it does need. It's an omnivore. And then uh, it says that it has long black hair hanging from its neck, sharp black scales, and flaming red eyes. They do Enough say man. that it attacks vessels and eats people. They say that what it does is it swims under the boat and then lifts up suddenly because that sudden movement underneath the boat tips it. And it tips everyone into the water. Which is behavior actually that orca have exhibited in the wild when they feel threatened. They will attack boats in the same way. Which makes perfect sense. And a lot of these, because of the size, people are conflating it with whales, but it doesn't match any possible description of a whale. They're talking it's like an about, emaciated whale. Right. They talk about it like this. It's called a sai or a sea whale. I, it's S-E-I. But uh, this one is a baleen feeder that does hang out at the surface and it swims around with its mouth open. So seen from an aerial footage, it can look kind of like a serpent's head, the, the tip of it. But mm-hmm. it's not going to have the bumps and the weird movement that they talk about. It doesn't match. So, again, we have, uh, it's Hans, uh, E-G-E-D-E, I can't say his last name. But we have another one from the 18th century. Uh, 1734, his ship sailed past Greenland. Everyone on board saw an awful creature. They'd never seen anything like it. It lifted its head up out of the water, and it was higher than the crow's nest on the main. Yeah, they said the head is not giant. The body was, like, snake-like. This one they did describe as having fins. And they said they saw its tail. The monster was bigger than their whole ship. Cool. Well, and it didn't attack them. They don't have a story except that they saw it. And they saw it that close, you know? Oh, my God. Well, that's what I'm saying is there's a lot of these. 1848. uh, This is probably the most well-known sighting. It's the HMAs. HMS Daedalus is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, they were going to St. Helena. They saw a sea serpent. It's been reported ad nauseum because it made the papers and everything at the time, obviously. And so um, this is supposed to be swimming with four feet of its head above the water. They thought the creature was at least 60 feet long. Uh, it was super, super fast. Went under the boat close enough that he said, like, if this was a man, I would have known him. And uh, seven different people in the crew said they saw this creature for like 20 minutes, which to me is enough time to understand that that's not a whale, that's not a pot of dolphins, that's not norfish. No, uh, I, like, that is just uh, bizarre. Right, and the thing is, so um, I, I tried to find accounts that disproved it too, and there's a particular evolutionary biologist named uh, Gary J. Galbraith, who mm-hmm. said that they saw a Cybalene whale. And again, I can see the resemblance to the idea of a snake, but it, it doesn't match what they're describing at all. No, because what they're describing is something so much more slender and yes. snake-like. And like that whale, it looks like a dolphin with no, like, with no bottlenose. And the mane. Yeah. 
None of them have a majestic mane. Or teeth. Yeah, I don't want to talk about teeth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my thing, is they have very clear descriptions, and I definitely get where he's coming from, because, again, that particular whale's behavior, it is at the surface, it is swimming with part of its head out, its mouth open, because that's how it feeds. It doesn't look like a serpent. It really doesn't. No. Uh, the other explanation that is that they say explains it there's orfish which some of them are orfish like when you look at the accounts in the drawings but orfish swim with that little frilly they've got this frilly little uh fin that runs the length of their body and that moves they don't move they're almost rigid yeah so they're the right size and certainly some of these accounts are that but that is not this creature it's a fish and it looks like a fish no, I've seen orfish in Animal Crossing. That is not a sea serpent. <laughs> well, and they're like flat. When you look at a real like video of them, they've got almost no mass to them. It's just length. Yeah, they're teeny tiny. Yeah, so other theories have been a mutant eel uh, that people are seeing massive anacondas, but they couldn't live out that far. And there's just a lot of weird ones. And then all of a sudden you start seeing them in America too. Which I would say is due to more people being in America as opposed to any kind of new presence of the creature. Uh, First American sighting was off the coast of New England in Massachusetts. Uh, Creature would become known as Gloucester Sea Serpent. It was 1639. That's Gloucester. Thank you. Can't, again, can't say (laughs) any of these. These are all out of my wheelhouse. I got Stephanie and Sarah. All words that look like that end in sta. Perfect. Well, they talk about it's a sea serpent that lay coiled up like a cable on the rocks. A boat that was passing by had an Englishman and two uh, indigenous people. They would have shot the serpent, but the indigenous people dissuaded them, saying if they didn't kill it, they would all be in massive danger. So they didn't touch it. Um, Three years later, Obadiah Turner reported the same thing in Massachusetts, where he saw a serpent as wide as a wine pipe and around 90 feet in length. Dear God. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's, I mean, there's a lot of these. The The one that I found most convincing is uh, Hans Poulsen, E-G-E-D-E. Can't say his name. He did missionary work in Greenland. And um, 1722, he wrote a report to his employer. He did not send it to a newspaper. He sent it to his employer. His employer published it. <sighs> so what they said is that... Here's my issue with it. So he's a naturalist. He's one of those that did very wonderful woodcuts. He was very meticulous. He did mapping. Uh, and it's very accurate. Like, you can see the pictures of the things that he's referring to now. And he's right. He's not distorting it at all. So he said he saw a sea serpent off the coast. It was a frightful sea, sea monster so large it towered over the ship's mane. Uh, This one, he said it had a long snout, broad flippers, and spouted water like a whale. Meaning, he knows what a whale looks like, and this isn't a whale. He's referring to it as a sea serpent and a monster. Right. He's very much making the delineation that this is not that thing. I'm looking at his woodcuts now, and yeah, yeah, there's no resemblance. There's one that has like kind of a resemblance to one of those whales, but most of them are like Clearly not a whale. Yeah. That, oh my that's my God. thing. is, And there's there's so many of them. They're everywhere. And then uh, one of them, so there's a gentleman, uh, Captain DeFerry, and he was reading on a sea voyage. He hears all of his men freaking out. 
he runs out there and uh, they tell them there's a sea serpent. So they told he told them to chase this. <laughs> he says they shot at it. The water turned red, so they clearly hit it, but not enough to stop it. Uh, mm-hmm. Head was two feet above the water, resembled the head of a horse. It was a grayish color. Mouth was black and very large. It had black eyes and a long mane that hung down from the neck to the surface of the water. This is one of them where they said its body undulated in a vertical up and down manner. A snake can't do that, even. I hate it. Right, and that's my thing, though, is there's so many of these. And there's one in America. It's uh, Chessie. It's supposed to live in Chesapeake Bay. And same thing, they say it's a serpent-like creature. Some of them do describe it as having flippers. Some of them say it swims with its body using a sine curve. Uh, Sightings have been occurring from 70s into the 80s. Uh, earliest reported sighting was seen from a helicopter in 1936. Something reptilian and unknown in the water. From a helicopter. That's what I'm saying. You can tell that is not a whale. It doesn't make sense. And so there's another one. Uh, two perch fishermen in Baltimore in 1943 said it was 75 yards away at right angles from their boat. It looked like something floating on the water at first. Then it moved. It was black, and part of it that was out of the water seemed 12 feet long. It had a head about as big as a football and shaped somewhat like a horse's head. It turned its head around several times, almost all the way around, and then dove. Cool. Cool. It's very strange. The videos I've looked at, there are a couple videos at this point. Um, I don't know how I feel about them. I feel like, honestly, at this point, video is kind of easy to fake and hard for me to interpret, you know? Yeah, I think so many, so many videos, because, I mean, we've all seen, like, videos of Bigfoot and whatnot, like, um, once someone tells you what to look for, that's the thing that you're going to see. That's how I feel, yes. So, even if it's not where, like, they've knowing and willingly altered it, but once they say, like, hey, Beth, I got this video of the Chupacabra, you want to look at it? I don't care if that's, like, a mangy dog on that screen, All you're seeing is the chupacabra. Yeah. Right. Well, the most recent sighting that I'm aware of was in 2014. Uh, Gentleman. (laughs) Yeah. Gentleman was parked. The tide was super high. It was um, in Maryland. And this gentleman saw this creature they're calling Chessie. It was less than five feet away. Super close. He described it as a snake-like creature, 25 to 30 feet in length without fins. It's topped with a slender football-shaped head and black in color. He couldn't tell if it had scales or was smooth. Um, he said it didn't really rise out of the water, but the head and tail breached the surface of the water as it moved with a serpentine motion. Mm. At first, he thought it was two different animals traveling together. Then he realized it was one because of the pattern it was creating on the surface. Um, there's nothing anywhere near Maryland that gets close to 25 feet long. So it can't be something that we're aware of. And he didn't have a photo because he was absolutely, like, fascinated by it. And he didn't think to grab his phone until it was gone. And he here's, here's what lends credence to me. He didn't call the newspaper first. He called the Maryland Department of Natural Resources immediately to tell them what he just saw. He's like, dude, I saw a giant serpent. So we called the the legitimate proper authorities. Yeah, he didn't call the National Enquirer. I, I think this one is super interesting. There's another one in British Columbia called Caddy. Um, super well recorded. It's, it's kind of the same. 
uh, long and thin with several humps and a horse-like head with a mane or crest of some sort. This is the one that they keep saying they found a body. They found the body. It's always been a basking shark because of that pattern of decomposition. Mm-hmm. Um, not not always, but, you know, there's a couple of them they couldn't identify. And I'll be blunt, I don't have the background to see why they couldn't identify it. I don't really know. I'm just reading internet reports that I'm not confident or super <laughs> I'm not confident about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and this is my thing. So there was one off the coast of San Francisco. Uh, what he said is he saw, like, five different people saw the same thing in 1983. It was 100 feet long with a large horse-like head. A truck driver who was driving by at the same time reported the exact same thing from a different area. It had two humps. He likened it to a giant eel. He said it was followed by about 100 seabirds and two dozen seals. Jeez. That's my thing. It's very well documented. So what what people think these things are, or fish, which again, we've talked about, they don't move right and they look like a fish. Yeah, no. Whales, I get, I get that from a certain angle, you could kind of say that the tip of that whale's head looks like a snake, but nothing else is going to match. It's a giant animal. Yeah. And it's whale shaped. That's not a snake. No. Uh, and like... In looking at some of the, like, woodcuts, I can see how some of them do look like that. Yes. But that's the exception, not the rule. Like, those are not indicative of, like, the classical features that you're explaining. Those are, like, no-neck whales, and you're describing a majestic sea dragon. Right. And this is the thing, is what's strange to me is the other thing that they're explaining it with is porpoises traveling together and following each other in a row which i get i get that that's a thing but how do you explain the head right because if it was just undulating bodies i could see that like i think everybody we have access to the google we can see we can see what it looks like to see like a pod of dolphins slightly breaching the water as they're moving together and in a perfect line that doesn't explain a giraffe head in the ocean that's how I feel. And the other thing is, okay, so I looked at the text you sent me, and it does look like a Dragon Ball Z dragon. That is exactly thank, right. Thank, thank you. But my thing is, okay, so you are aware of sea serpents, obviously, but did you think of them as looking like that? Um, so when you first say sea serpent, I am, my immediately, my immediate thing is thinking of, like, Nessie and mm-hmm. Champ and, like, there's one, it's not, Oka, it might be Ogopoko, Ogopogo something or other, um, like in the Great Lakes. Yeah. I am I am aware of the sea serpents as you describe them, and I will be quite honest, I was not aware that they were um, described as being so large, and I assumed it was just some sort of eel. Right. That's my thing, though, is like no eel is known to have a mane like that or be that no. size. No, there's, it's like, it's got pieces of all kinds of other things that aren't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, sure, it's the body makeup of an eel, but like with the fin of an oarfish, but the mane and head of a horse. Invisible teeth. I don't know. It's very strange to me, but it honestly is absolutely consistent so far back that it's strange to me because, you know, I, I read a lot about cryptozoology and stuff and. Mm-hmm. I've run into this, I guess, but honestly, this is not how I think of sea serpents. I expected it to be giant snakes, not the mane well, and everything. 
Yeah, it's and it, but it so closely resembles like traditional, mm-hmm. um, Asian culture, um, mythologies on dragons and serpents, and like there's a lot of stories, um, of like the Naga where they go from the air to the ocean. Yes, well, and that's my thing. Legitimately, I'm gonna say I 100% believe in this. I don't know if they're still around. I don't think we have the breadth of knowledge on the depths of the ocean to be able to state that but i think that they're absolutely plausible and i think they certainly did exist oh yeah no that and that's if we go back to like the giant squid thing like we thought those like gigantic monster squids were like things you know old sailor tales so you would avoid certain areas of the ocean yeah and then it just turns out we accidentally found out oh no these guys are real and they're like scary as shit Yes, and, 100%. And I, uh, yeah, if someone, like, legitimately found the body of a sea serpent washed up somewhere and it was 100 feet long, 15, 20 feet wide with a majestic fucking mane, I, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, what's this world coming to? I'd be like, well, yeah, I told you so. Yeah, it's, I honestly, I feel like it's plausible. I, I'm never confident saying, oh, it's definitely true because it is easy to fake things. It's easy to misinterpret things. But I think a lot of these sources were reputable, especially mm-hmm. a lot of the more recent ones. I do think have some legitimacy. If it was a short period of time, how many times have you seen like a deer or a bear and you did not get your camera phone out in time because you were staring, you were watching it in the moment? Absolutely. Well, and so then I'm like looking, I'm looking at the description that you were telling me about. And then I found, you know, like a written description that kind of has everything that you were explaining. And if I'm not wrong, that also sounds like those really old tales of mermaids. Where mermaids were these like horse-faced creatures. A hundred percent. I've also run into that. Yes. So like, okay, so a mermaid is really just a sea serpent that can just, what, like yodel? I know. <laughs> the Lighthouse is a whole other movie now. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. Is I honestly, I was really interested, and I found a lot of it compelling. And honestly, I really enjoyed your explanation of the Mothman story, too, because I don't think I ever would have looked into that more on my own. Well, and, and the, the same with sea serpents, because I'm like, well, I understand sea serpents. You know, I've read about sea serpents and Nessie, and I watched things on you know these dinosaurs in the ocean and then you're like oh no sea serpents are probably real (laughs) uh yeah it's it's that thing i like the ichthyosaurs stories i'm not sure that it's not true but i don't find them as compelling as the literal serpent stories because they don't have the same they're more in the cultural mind so i think it's a lot easier for someone to misinterpret or literally scam and have it be nessie or loch ness mm-hmm. because we do know what it is I yeah w- i very it- I, I very much feel they're, they're almost at this point those are fairy tales right and that's the thing is if i saw something in the ocean i couldn't explain legitimately even if i thought sea serpent i wouldn't describe it the way all of these people describe it right yeah it- those because they didn't have access to the breadth of knowledge that we have access to so it's not like they were like well that one guy on that one boat over in norway said they looked like this and that's what ours looked like like these are all absolutely independent corroborations over a period of hundreds of years they continue to look similar strikingly similar so it's like yeah is this thing real it's not a matter of like if it's real it's like when we're gonna find it 
It's it's one of those things. I feel like there's legitimacy to the story, and I'm not sure they're still around. I'm not sure it's not. You know how? Um, so for example, that gentleman who had really advanced herpes, and so his limbs do look like tree limbs. So you start to oh, see like yeah. yeah. So you can see the origin of folklore in physical deformity sometimes, because uh, that to me would be a clear source for like dryad myths Um, because I presume it was probably a lot more present before we knew what really caused it and how to treat it effectively so I kind of wonder even if sea serpents as I'm stating them are not really real I think there has to be some sort of biological abnormality that we're not familiar with to explain that description like you think like the accounts where they're gigantic are like variants of a species that is probably not that big or aggressive well potentially or maybe there is a very rare genetic mutation where a creature we already know does get that big do you know what i mean like an eel correct like an eel with uh certain deformities and maybe those deformities are linked to something that causes gigantism right so, yeah, I'm not saying it's it's something we've never seen, but I do think it'll have to be an unusual variant if it's something we do know. Right. Dude, that is a trip, and I'm going to have a nightmare about a sea serpent. <laughs> well, you should, because, like, they've been, they've been sighted as close as San Francisco, so. Well, it's literally my least favorite thing combined with my favorite thing, so you've ruined my life. <laughs> I mean, same. I'm not a fan of Mothman. I'm really not. <laughs> He speaks me. Yeah, but now you're not going to live your whole life thinking that when you go to the beach and you're trying to relax, some sea serpent's going to come up and bite you. That's true. I'm more worried about leopard seals somehow, even though I'm in the wrong climate. My luck is that if I encountered one, it would be a hungry one. (laughs) It would be starving. Just voracious. And I have not collected all of the Dragon Balls, so I will not get a wish. And he gets real mad if you call on him and don't have all those Dragon Balls. He is yeah, impatient. He, you won't make it. It's. I think that's true. I would die. <laughs> I would die. I had fun with this one. This one was very fun. I, I want to incorporate more secret projects. I'm totally you, down with that. Even though you hate surprises. I do hate surprises. And I would think you should tell me, like, morally, but... I accept that I'm not going to get my way on this one. You sound set in your ways. Like, there were so many things that I wanted to do that just... Like, I I feel like we need to do an episode where we just talk about, like, those cryptids and weird things that there's not a lot of information on. Like, the Fresno Nightcrawlers that I wanted to do because I love them because they look like a pair of walking yoga pants. They look like puppets. I love them. <laughs> okay. We'll have another cryptid battle. We'll choose something unusual. I think it's phenomenal. I don't know what I'm <laughs> going to do that's not Mothman now, though, because I was so stoked about Mothman. You'll find your way. You did have what? the fan fiction of Freaky Links to guide you. I didn't make up cryptids. I used cryptids that were existing. <laughs> I feel like it counts. I'm just really good at Bigfoot fanfic, sorry. Perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, yeah, so this was super awesome. Thank you for teaching me about sea serpents. Um, 
I will uh, not go into the ocean uh, the same ever again. <laughs> so thank you for that. And now, now I'm also questioning birds when I go camping. Is yes. that an owl or is that Mothman telling me to move because a tree will fall? I, don't I do know. feel suspicious. Mothman is a suspicious, suspicious character. <laughs> I love it. Well, all right then. We will. Uh, we'll call this one. We'll call this one done. So, thanks for uh, for hanging out. Thanks for talking about cryptids with us. Um, if you like this episode, you think we're funny. If you want to talk to us about your favorite cryptid, doesn't have to be a sea serpent or a mothman. It, it could be a Bigfoot or a Yeti or a Chupacabra or a skunk ape or something. Have at it. You can email us. Our email's linked in the detailed show notes. Um, you can also contact us via our Instagram and on Facebook at on a tangent pod. If you thought this episode was funny, go ahead and rate that five stars. Leave us a comment or a review. Let us know how we're doing. We are super excited to talk to our, our, our listeners, our fellow, uh, people that like talking, I guess. Um, and, uh. I think that's it. So we will talk to you guys next time. Like I said, like, subscribe, share it with your friends. We have, I think I saw 25 subscribers. I literally checked right now. So that's now 23 people that are not you or I that are subscribed (laughs) and actively listening to us talk to each other about random bullshit. 20 of them me on different accounts. You know what? Much like the sea serpent, I wouldn't be surprised if I found that out. (laughs) Anything for the win. All right. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us. We will talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.